This is VLX number 103, Get Behind Me Satan. We are in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 23. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina. This is your online patristic Bible study and free guide to Ignatian mental prayer. God give you his peace and omni patris spiritu sancti. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In omni patris spiritu sancti. Amen. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. I'm really happy to bring you today's VLX because it's the hinge of three sections. Now, if you remember, there's actually five sections of Matthew 16. The first two had to do with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But in these last three sections, we're going to look at these three as a triple unit, sort of, and we're number two of those three. These three sections have to do with the papacy, but also the suffering as the requirement for discipleship of Jesus Christ. So this is, today is section two of the three. And this is the hinge of these three on Peter and following Jesus with suffering in your life. So really, besides the papacy, it's so important to understand today why we have to take up our cross to follow Jesus as any disciple, not just the Pope. Uh, so stick, on, stick with me on these three sections here, and you're going to see why all three of these sections are really linked. Now, in the first part of these three, this was the last VLX that we did. We talked about how well, if you remember, Peter was on top of the world for recognizing Christ as the Son of God. That was the last VLX. But then in the second part of the three today, that is today's VLX, Peter goes from being on top of the world to being called Satan for not understanding the cross. So we could call today the negative side of the cross. But then in the next VLX, this is why we have real short sections right now, but I'm excited about today. There's a lot to say today. And in the third section, the next VLX, what you're going to see is the positive side of the cross that Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But again, today, this is the hinge section, number two of the three sections. And the cross is the crux of the understanding of the kingdom of God and all of Christian discipleship. And it's very good timing that it comes to us in Lent. So we start today, the second of the three sections on Peter and the cross in Matthew 16, verse 21. But please pay close attention because we only have three verses today. And remember, Jesus just explained to Peter that Peter would be Pope partly because he was given the insight from God the Father that Jesus was the Son of God. Ah, but there's still some uh, formation that has to happen. Again, he was told that only God had revealed to this to him. That was VLX, the last VLX. But then, jump in today. Verse 21 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So notice the th three types of people that will kill Jesus here. Uh, we heard that, they will, that he will suffer by the priest. And there were three people named there. They're Presbuteron in Greek and Archieron and grammaton. Let's look at those three words. You can write those three in Greek above your English words there. Priest is presbyteron. You might hear the English in that. We say presbyteral council meeting. Those are the priests. But then one level above them is the archieron, which is the high priests. 
in some sense, these were the bishops of that day, the first, first century bishops. And then grammaton, sometimes those are translated as scribes. Those were essentially the canon lawyers of, of that time. Now, notice the difference in today um, that Jesus will suffer by the priests and high priests and the scribes. But in Luke 18, we're going to hear that they were he was delivered to the Gentiles. Notice that difference. It might sound like kind of a subtle difference, but Jesus will be killed by the priests, but delivered to the Gentiles. Or he will suffer by the priests, is literally the Greek. He will suffer by the priests. But in Luke 18, we see he will be delivered to the Gentiles. So they're both responsible. But who's more responsible? It's the priests and the high priests and the scribes today. Uh, because... It will be the Romans that kill him physically, but at the responsibility today of those three groups that were named priests, high priests, and the scribes. Now, you might notice I just compared those three priests, uh, high priests, and scribes to priests, bishops, and canon lawyers today. That's, again, I, I know I've said this before, that's not me being bitter because I'll be the first to admit that you can find the three levels of ordination in the New Testament at totally... Um, exactly as we have in the Catholic Church today, which is episkopos, which is bishop, and presbuteros, the exact same word for priest, which I am, and then diakonos, we kept actually the same word in English, deacon, right there. So you have three levels of ordination, even in the, in the New Testament. So I'm not being Protestant in pointing, pointing this out. Or it's not just coming from my bitterness of the real recognition we need church reform in any of this. Um, we, there, Christ really does establish three levels of ordination in the New Testament. Episcopos, which is bishop, Presbyterus, which is priest, and diakonos, which is deacon. And we as Catholics have all three of those. Um, so do the uh, Russian Orthodox and the Greek Orthodox. But here is the connection that um, the church can be crucified, especially by the hierarchy, just as Jesus was crucified by the hierarchy of the priests, the high priests, and the scribes. And again, grammaton can very loosely uh, or maybe even tightly be uh, translated as canon lawyers. Okay, now look at what Jesus predicts here. We get this as Christians today. This next thing, enough of the church reform stuff, um, but you do have to get that, that Jesus suffered by the priests, but delivered to the Gentiles. Okay, now check this out. This is what Jesus predicts here, um, that he will have to suffer and die. And when we as Catholics, and I know there's some non-Catholic Christians out there listening, when you hear this, you look at the apostles and you're like, how did you not get it? Um, how did you not get it? Well, Divine Intimacy, a book that I'm using for my own um, uh, spiritual benefit this year, describes it very well in uh, page 268. If you're following Divine Intimacy, I'm going to read that to you right now. The prediction is clear. The Son of Man shall be delivered to the Gentiles and shall be mocked and scourged and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. However, as on other occasions, the apostles understood none of these things. And this word was hid from them. They did not understand because they imagined that Jesus' mission was like an earthly conqueror's and that he would reestablish the kingdom of Israel. Since they dreamed only of triumphs and of occupying the first places in the kingdom, any allusion to the passion upset and scandalized them. And then Father Gabriel continues in Divine Intimacy to tell us something of our own lives. He says, To those who dream only of prosperity and earthly glory, the language of the cross is incomprehensible. Those who have a purely material idea of life find it very difficult to understand any spiritual significance and especially that of suffering. St. Paul said that Christ crucified was unto the Jews indeed a stumbling block and unto the Gentiles foolishness. 
1 Corinthians 1.23. Rebuking St. Peter, who at the first mention of the Passion had exclaimed, Lord, be it far from thee, this shall not be unto thee. Jesus had said, Get behind me, Satan, because thou savorest not the things that are of God, but the things that are of men. To human wisdom, suffering is incomprehensible. It is disconcerting. It can lead one to murmuring against divine providence and even to lose all trust in God. However, according to the wisdom of God, suffering is a means of salvation and redemption. And as it was necessary for Christ to have suffered these things and so enter into his glory, it is also necessary for the Christian to be refined in the crucible of sorrow in order to attain to sanctity and to eternal life. So Peter is right there with us. He doesn't understand suffering. And this is why Peter takes Jesus aside and we have the next verse. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Father Lapide says Peter took Jesus aside, quote, so that he might not appear to reprove his teacher in the presence of his fellow disciples, end quote. Now notice, you know, Peter's a tough guy here. We remember at the point of the Passion, we fast forward a year and he pulls a sword out and he cuts off the uh, high priest servant's ear. So he is actually willing to defend Jesus. Uh, but the problem is he's, he's misunderstood where all of his fortitude is supposed to go. Yeah, Peter's a tough guy, but here's what Jesus wants. Pay close attention here. This is what Jesus wants of Peter, to teach and to die. Jesus wants Peter to teach his flock, and Jesus wants Peter to die, or at least be willing to die for his flock, and Peter, of course, does. The priest, really all Christians, but especially us priests, bishops, popes, were called to a violence against ourselves by doing bodily mortification like fasting, and then suffer lack of popularity, as, Jesus, as Peter did with the Jewish hierarchy. And ultimately, Peter died upside down on a cross. Now, remember, that night of Jesus' passion, Peter denies Jesus three times. And Jesus gives him a chance to, um, to undo that. But notice that that is undone primarily by teaching. Peter ex Jesus expects Peter and the future popes to be primarily teachers John 21, we hear these three chances given over again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So in other words, Jesus is saying, if you actually love me as the first pope, then you will teach the truth. If you actually love me, then you will feed my sheep by teaching the truth. And you're going to suffer. And you know, this is where tradition tells us Peter kind of even, even after Pentecost, the wheels were a little bit shaky in the back of the bus of uh, some of the apostles, at least Peter. Because remember, when the persecution hits Rome, he's leaving. And tradition tells us that he runs into Jesus while leaving Rome. Jesus says, where are you going? Quo vadis, those famous two words, where are you going? And uh, Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to Rome to be crucified with my church. Of course, Peter is greatly convicted, turns around, goes back to Rome, and the Romans kill him upside down. Okay, why am I telling you this now? Because Peter, in today's section, Matthew 16, um, Peter really does take a long time to see that not only is Jesus calling himself, Jesus, to give his life for the life of the world and to teach, but even Peter and all Christians following Jesus, we are called to teach the Catholic faith. And secondly, we're really called to be ready 
to be die to die for Jesus Christ. This is how the kingdom's established, is by teaching and dying. But Peter, he had just gotten made head of the apostles in the last section. And so let's be honest, <laughs> his head might be a little bit big. It's almost like he thought, okay, it's my job as the big man to protect Jesus now. Uh, almost maybe Peter saw him as his bodyguard. We heard in the ESV translation today, far be it from you, Lord. Now that can basically be translated in the uh, Aramaic as heaven forbid. The Aramaic, the Aramaic there says heaven forbid. Then the Hebrew, according to the Father Lapid, is Khalila Lacha. Khalila Lacha, which translates as, let there be prohibition to thee, as Father Lapide says, or maybe better translated as, spare thyself. So combine all of that in the Aramaic and the Hebrew, and we have the basically Peter saying to Jesus, kind of as Jesus' new big man, heaven forbid you die, be good to yourself. It's kind of my dynamic translation there as we look at the Aramaic and the Hebrew. Heaven forbid you die, just be good to yourself. Well, and then Jesus comes crashing down on Peter's ego with this next devastating sentence, the next verse from today. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Okay, so think about it. In the first of those three sections, Peter just got placed as the most important apostle. But then today, Christ crushes him in some sense, because even though Christ loves us infinitely, He's no respecter of egos, and he totally shatters Peter's ego today. Why? Because he's mean? Of course not. It's because, first of all, because Peter could handle it. If you go to the Middle East, you just understand, like, people don't have egos that shatter as quickly as us Americans. Peter could handle it. Um, But Peter also had to see, just like all of us, that he was totally misunderstood. He misunderstood not only Jesus' mission, but also Peter's mission as head of the apostles again to teach and to die for his flock. So do you see why today is this hinge section between the papacy and Christian suffering, Christian discipleship that has to be based on the cross? Okay, let's talk about that word Satan. You know, St. Hilary says that that word Satan today did not refer to Peter, but to the devil. However, Father Lapide points out that all the other church fathers disagree with him on this. It It really was pretty harsh against Peter. So this is what we read in Father Lapide here. But all the other writers join the word Satan with get you behind me and consider that the whole, the whole sentence was spoken to Peter. Christ therefore says to Peter, get you behind me, that is, leave me, depart hence, get out of my sight, for in this matter you are not a friend unto me, but Satan, that is, an adversary. For this is the meaning of Hebrew, Satan, as we see in the Vulgate, 2 Kings 19.22 and 3 Kings 5.4, and a scandal that is a stumbling block and hindrance to me. For you would hinder my passion and consequently the redemption and salvation of mankind, which by my passion I am about to merit and obtain. So says St. John Chrysostom, and then St. Jerome says, It is my own and my Father's good pleasure that I should die for the salvation of man. You consider only your own will, and you would not consider that the grain of wheat should fall into the earth so as to bring forth much fruit. And listen closely, this is amazing from St. Thomas Aquinas. Because you were contrary to my will, you ought to be called an adversary, for Satan is interpreted adversary or contrary. Not, however, as many think that Peter and Satan are condemned by the same sentence. For to Peter it is said, get you behind me, Satan, that is, 
you who are contrary to my will, you should follow me. But Satan hears him say, get thee hence, Satan. And it is not said to him behind me that it may be understood. Go away into everlasting fire. So basically, uh, no, not basically, here's St. Thomas Aquinas again. That shall not be as if he had instead a necessary propitiation to carry out, and Christ indeed accepted the disciples' affection, but reproved the ignorance. You see there, Jesus, he accepted the disciples' affection that he's looking out for him, but he had to reprove the ignorance. The ignorance on what? The ignorance that the kingdom is established by the cross, not by earthly glory. So here's what I want you to take away from today's VLX, that Jesus didn't come to get human glory, but God's glory. And that is found in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And if Peter's going to share in that glory, it can't be aiming at human glory, but God's glory, which is the crucifixion, which is exactly how Peter will die one day. Do you see this difference between human glory and God's glory? This is why Jesus says to Peter today, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Such a harsh rebuke is just to knock out of him all of his misunderstandings to get him back on track to his mission as head of the apostles. That's why this is connected to the last VLX. But then in the next section, we're going to see, that's the third of these three sections on Christian discipleship, that this call to Christian discipleship via the cross, via crucifixion, that is for all the apostles. And Jesus will expand this to each and every one of them and each and every one of our own lives that to follow him, this is why Jesus says in the next section, whoever would save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That will be the next VLX. But it's important to see all three of these as somewhat united. So you can already make that part of your discussion with Jesus today if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer. Remember that the conversation with Jesus, if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, this is a huge part of the section. And this is what St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila, also known as St. Teresa of Jesus, this is what they encouraged. So when I encourage you to talk to Jesus as your God, your friend, and your Savior, don't just extrapolate friend out of that as if I'm a Protestant or I'm just trying to make you be a modernist. Um, the saints do expect you to talk to Jesus not only as your best friend, but also as your God and your Savior. Um, but it's not modernist to talk to Jesus about your life. Let's go over the, the imaginative way. Remember, um, for Ignatius of Loyola and Teresa of Avila, the first part of this is the selection of material, which I do for you. The second is the consideration, which you kind of have to do for yourself, but I somewhat set it up. Who is here in this scene? What is he doing? Why is he doing it? What does it mean to me? And that's why you can dovetail the apophatic section of the study with the cataphatic section of using your imagination, because it actually matters what we're looking at theologically. But then, number three is conversation with Christ, and this is where Father Peter the Carmelite writes, the soul begins to talk slowly to him, telling him of its love for him, its desire to serve him, its willingness to do anything for him. He adores Christ in the scene of the day's meditation. He expresses his love for him, thanks him for past gifts, petitions him for new favors in the future. And St. Teresa of Avila even says, you can place yourself in the physical presence of Christ, talk with him, laugh with him, and confide in him. Instead of using formal prayers, extemporaneously express your interests. This will result in rapid progress. Uh, but today, this isn't just about your own um, interests. Now we look to Jesus' interests in your life. How is he asking you to carry the cross? So my encouragement today is to talk to Jesus about what you heard in divine intimacy today, namely, 
how are you looking for Jesus to build for you an earthly kingdom in your life? Basically, how are you looking for Jesus to build a life of ease and happiness? And ask him how you shouldn't be. How is Jesus asking you this Lent um, to not build for you an empire in your heart of comfort, but an empire in your heart of love and suffering? So ask Jesus for gentle instruction how you've maybe totally understood the meaning of the Christian life to be the health and wealth gospel. You know, even children listening to this series, they can tell Jesus how maybe they too understood him just as a person to, say, answer their prayers, when really all of us, adults and children, should pray something like this, Lord, please teach me not how you can please me, but how I can please you. And then see Jesus in the face when you pray this. And yeah, maybe he'll be more gentle with you than he was with Peter, or maybe if you can handle it, just as direct. He always knows in prayer the soul he's dealing with. But either way, all of us, including me, have misunderstood the kingdom of God in some sense as the health and wealth gospel. Remember earlier I said Jesus didn't come to get human glory, but God's glory, which is found in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And if Peter is going to share in that glory, it can't be by a life of aiming at human glory, but God's glory, which is the crucifixion, which again is exactly how Peter will die one day. But before that, he's asked, to prove his love by teaching his sheep, by leading his flock. So teaching and dying, that's what we priests should be doing. So let us ask our Lord that we can live and die for him and thank him that he, well, he didn't just abandon Peter for misunderstanding the gospel. Isn't that what's so beautiful about today? I mean, sometimes we're shocked as modernists at the rebuke, but notice Jesus never abandons Peter even when he, even when he misunderstands, even when Peter abandons him at the most distressing trial of his life. The night before he's executed, his best friend Peter leaves him and he still doesn't abandon him. Jesus sticks with us even when we're slow in understanding the school of Christ crucified, even when we abandon him, as long as we come back to him with repentance, willing to teach, willing to die, willing to study at this school of Christ crucified. Only then do we start to aim for God's glory instead of human glory. Please say an hour, Father, for me, that I may practice what I preach at benedictio de omnipotentis. Pacis et spiritus sancti descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.